Anyway, tonight it's my uh, privilege to share for a few minutes uh, the next talk in our series. And the series is called Follow Me, um, how to do what Jesus told us. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And depending on which site you go to on Google, there are either seven commands of Jesus or there are 49 commands of Jesus or there are 300 commands of Jesus. It totally depends how it is that you measure and count the things that he's reported to have said across the different gospel accounts of his life. But one thing we can all agree on is that Jesus said some memorable and some radical things that are really worth thinking about and whether or not you've chosen to call yourself a disciple of Jesus. He said some really countercultural things. And if you have not decided to call yourself a disciple of Jesus, well, then these are really worth checking out for yourself. And if you are, then these are things that we're expected um, to take note of. You know, um, sometimes the phrase keep my commandments is, is translated as obey my commandments, which sounds like it's got sort of military connotations, you know, but Jesus, this isn't Jesus as an army general issuing orders and expecting everyone to blindly follow. That word obey, it could be keep my commands or guard my commands or uh, obey or take care of my commands. And the context is really important because he says, you will do this if you love me. If you love me, you don't just blindly um, do things that people tell you, but if you love someone, you'll want to think about what it is they're saying and whether you want to build that into your life. And so that's why we're doing this series. And John, who was one of Jesus' disciples, who wrote the Gospel of John, also wrote a letter. And in it, he said this. It's just a nice summary of, uh, what, of, of what this series is all about. He said, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. This is in 1 John chapter 2 verse three to six. We know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, then love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And so this series is about trying to understand some of the things that Jesus laid down and said, this is the way to live, guys. And it's about us trying to understand that and then trying to uh, live that out. And so we're exploring different themes uh, in the things that Jesus taught. So last week, Paul talked about how to love our enemies, the radical message of forgiveness. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks, we're talking about justice. We're talking about generosity. We're talking about sharing Jesus. And the title of today's talk is How to Live Stress-Free. That's a bold claim, isn't it? You've been giving us your brilliant stress busting tips and thank you for those. And somebody else said boogie bounce was a good idea. And uh, I think somebody else said going to the driving range as well. Um, thank you for that. Um, stress. What do we mean by stress? And excuse me a minute, Joe, do you think you can shut the door? Because the birds are singing very loudly outside our kitchen. Um, what do we mean by stress? Well, stress is a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or demanding circumstances. You know, all of us face difficult and demanding circumstances as part of our lives, some of us more than others. Stress isn't the difficult circumstance. Um, stress is how we react to those circumstances. It's that feeling of emotional pain or pressure resulting from what's going on in our lives. And psychologists say that some stress can be good for us in small measures. But when we talk about stress, we're mostly talking about negative stress, about distress, which can have a detrimental effect on our emotions and can cause some pretty much and also cause some physical symptoms. And it seems like stress is all around us. You know, in 2018, there was a mental health foundation study 
And they concluded that in the past year, uh, from the time that they did this study in 2018, 74% of people had felt at some ways, in some ways so stressed that they'd been overwhelmed or unable to cope. Let me say that again. 74% of people reported at some point being so stressed that they were overwhelmed and unable to cope. This was in 2018. This was before even COVID was a thing. Overwhelming feelings of stress are, in fact, a fact of life for many people at some times. People who are stressed report unhealthy habits of eating, increased drinking and smoking, feeling depressed, feeling anxious, loneliness. For some, it even leads to self-harm or suicidal thoughts. Now, there are loads of reasons for stress and people report different reasons. Here are some of the most common causes that people report for their stress. Well, the first is the long term health condition, be it yours or that of a family member, somebody close to you. Uh, financial debt is a cause of stress. Feeling the pressure to respond to messages instantly, which in a world of digital communication is sort of seems like it's just a reality for everybody. You just feel like you're being bombarded all the time and um, comparing ourselves to others is a source of stress. Feeling comfortable or uncomfortable with our appearance, our body image is another source of stress. And for young people particularly, the pressure to succeed in life is a source of stress. This is what people are reporting. This stuff is all around us. If you don't um, experience that yourself, you probably know several people who do. Um, you don't have to look very far to see people who are under stress. And I think that's why what Jesus had to say is really key. And Jesus had some things to say about stress and worry and anxiety. And we're going to look at one particularly well-known passage from Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter six. And it's called Do Not Worry. And I'm going to read it to you. And so this is Matthew six, verse 25. Therefore, Jesus says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothed the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow, Sorry, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. There's plenty of advice on Google about how to live a stress-free life, simple actions that have a calming effect, regular habits to build in like practicing meditation or mindfulness or some of the things you guys have said, investing in friendships, going to bed early, and even big decisions that can help counter stress like paying off debts and making sure we're working a job that has real meaning. All this is, there's a lot of great wisdom out there, but in this passage, Jesus teaches that there is a whole other dimension to life, which means that we never have to worry, we never have to be anxious, that it's possible if we take God seriously at his word to live a stress-free life. Now that's a bold claim. And when someone makes a claim like that, you've got to look at their own life and say, how does that work out in your life? And so the accounts we read of Jesus 
I think it's fair to say, show a man who generally lived in a peaceful state. Now, he did have some negative emotions from time to time, like we all do. Sadness and anger, he expressed. But he seems to be a generally stress-free guy. A man who knew a bigger perspective on life, who knew his heavenly father would look after his needs. And this passage gives us a real insight into how that's possible, not just for him, but for all of us. And I want to pick up on three things, uh, jumping in to uh, the next bit where he says, he says, don't worry, he says, therefore, don't worry about what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about what your body will wear. He gives us three reasons why we don't need to worry, why we don't need to get caught up in worry. And the first one is this, that there is more to life than our worries. Jesus says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Jesus is inviting us to think bigger, to focus beyond what's immediately in front of us. It can be very easy to be short-sighted, can't it? You know, if you are physically short-sighted, like I am, then you can only focus on what's right in front of you and you need glasses or lenses to help correct your vision. And if you can see, so if I take my glasses off, I can see here what's right in front of me. I can see my notes, actually, I can see the computer screen. But when I look around the wider periphery of uh, the room I'm in, I can't necessarily see things in the same sharp detail. Okay, you, I need glasses to help correct my vision. And it's possible to be short-sighted in terms of our thinking, as well as our practical vision, where, um, where we can only focus really on what's right in front of us. And we're struggling to see the bigger picture. And it's in these times that Jesus is inviting us deliberately to change our focus. There are times when clearly it's important to focus what's in front of us. Anyone who's ever looked after young children, for example, knows that pretty much all that they worry about is the next meal. And when for whatever reason it's, for whatever reason it's not there, then everyone gets to know about it. Maybe sometimes it's not just the young children who get hung, <laughs> hung grumpy when they don't eat. But Jesus is not saying that food and clothes and where the next meal coming, is coming from and those other essentials for life, he's not saying they're not important. He's saying that when our immediate needs become our main focus, then we, we sometimes miss the big picture and we miss out on God's perspective. And I was thinking about how to illustrate this. And one way to think about this is using um, a camera technique that film uh, makers use, and it's called pulling focus or rack focus. And this is a movie camera technique which switches the focus of a shot from something in the foreground to something else that was shot but was initially out of focus there in the background. It's a classic tool for filmmakers to use to pull the viewer's attention from one item in the scene to another. And I've got a little video clip to show you. And now this is a this is a technical, I've just grabbed a clip from it. This is a technical video um, just to sort of explain what this is, focus shift or rack focus. But I think it illustrates what we're talking about very well. It's just a minute long, so have a look at this video clip. How do you visually illustrate a character processing information? How do you reveal something that is already in the frame? Did you see that? It was a rack focus. A rack focus happens when a filmmaker adjusts the focal plane to show something that was, at first, indistinguishable. It should reveal some crucial piece of information or signal a big change in the scene. What do you gain from using a rack focus? You have more focused direction in your scene. You control the eyes of the viewer. Layered images, because you have subjects at varying depths. 
visual storytelling because you show reactions to things on and off screen, economic filmmaking because you save time and money with fewer shots, and an emotional connection because there is always an opportunity to make your link from A to B more profound. Okay, thanks. Now, obviously, that was quite a technical um, video, but I thought it showed the uh, it illustrated the point really beautifully um, in that it is it is possible, isn't it, to focus only on the things that are right in front of us, the things that are in, the, in that case, right at the front of the shot and to fail to see everything that's in the bigger picture. Now, obviously, in that example, they do it for artistic reasons and for storytelling reasons. But I think that what's going on here is that Jesus is reassuring us that we don't need to focus just on those things that are right in front of the shot, that actually God has a much bigger, broader perspective on our lives. And when we tap into that bigger picture, our immediate needs, they're still there, but they just become less of a focus to what's going on. And so I've got a couple of questions that we might want to look at um, as we reflect on this first point, really. And one of the questions is what worries or concerns are currently predominant in our minds? And the second question is, and how are we making sure that we have God's perspective on those things? And those are important things to think about. What worries or concerns are currently predominant? What's right there in the front of the frame for you? And how are we making sure that we're able to pull focus and to get God's perspective on those things? And Jesus goes on in the next verse for a second point. So the first point, um, the first point is that, um, you know, life is more than just the things that are right in front of us. And the second point is that we, we are more precious to God. And in verse 26, Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Jesus says, you know, the birds don't seem to have to stress too much about getting their day to day needs met. They certainly don't seem to plan ahead very much and neither do the plants. And if God has no problem providing for their needs, Jesus says, then why is he going to have any kind of a problem providing for our needs, the needs of his precious and valuable children, the ones who are so much more important, so much more valuable? Because the Bible is clear that God intended humans to be the pinnacle of creation, that man, mankind was created in the image of God and given power to rule over the earth and over its creatures. You know, God places a high value on humans, so high, in fact, that he sent his only son to die for us. You know, God has all the resources of heaven at his fingertips. How would it be a problem for him to provide for the things that we, his precious children, need? After all, he is our loving heavenly father. And you know, a parent's role is to provide for their children's basic needs, the food and clothing and shelter and warmth, safety, education, etc. Any responsible mum or dad wouldn't question that, wouldn't try to get out of it, now, I do realize that not all parents can be responsible and have the, are equipped to do that, but it's a widely accepted expectation that a parent's responsibility is to provide for the needs of their children. Now, there's often a marked difference, isn't there, between what a child needs and what a child thinks they need or what they would like. And sometimes, you know, there are things, for example, in our life where my kids insist, this is something I really, really need, Dad, when I'm not sure that they really do need them. But that's where as a parent, I have to make a call and help my kids to learn a lesson sometimes. But as dads and mums, we expect to make sure our kids will not grow hungry. We expect to make sure they've got clothes to wear and, and they won't lack any other basic provisions. And it's the same with God. 
We are precious to him. He loves us. He will look after us. In Luke 11, Jesus says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, would give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, even though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is at the end of a passage where Jesus is teaching on prayer and he's saying, ask for what you need. You can ask for what you need. It's okay. And even going back to our main passage in Matthew 6, in verse 31, he says, don't worry, saying, what should we eat or what should we drink or what should we wear? The pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. He knows our needs. And sometimes we worry about the stuff we need and we forget that we have a heavenly father who, who loves us so much, for, for whom we are just so precious and so valuable. And he is incredibly kind and generous and loving and he will provide the things that we need. Now, I've lost count of the number of times in my life when God has looked after me and our family and provided for our needs when we haven't been able to. I was thinking back to um, way back, way back when my first job out of university, um, about sort of, um, I guess we're talking about 30 years ago now, was as a freelance musician. Now, it's not the most secure of professions. And when I started, I didn't have much work, but God provided for me. And there was a government scheme that covered my rent for the first couple of years and my parents generously gave me their beaten up old car and I went and found some work playing the piano for pretty much anyone who would listen and pay, which usually meant I was playing background music in restaurants while people were eating and in bars while people were drinking and in shopping centres while people were just kind of walking past actually. Um, I got very used to being part of the background, although later I did get work in theatres and schools, more interesting work. Anyway, I remember when, um, when my first kind of regular gig uh, came to an end. They, they, you know, I'd been working there every Friday and Saturday night in this hotel. It was regular, consistent work. And they came to me one day and they said, we don't need you anymore uh, from the end of this month. And I was honestly, I was gutted actually. Because um, what was I going to do? You know, my car was old, bits on it kept wearing out. I didn't have that much other work. And I remember feeling really disappointed and really quite worried for a while. And then I remember having this sort of revelation one day as I was praying about it, that, you know, God had got me these jobs in the first place and that he looked after me so far. And if it was if he if he was the one who got me the jobs and I firmly believe that, then he could also take them away and he would have another way of providing. Now, that sounds flippant and it sounds good, but honestly, that's been the story of my life. And the key to this is knowing who we are and knowing how valued we are. And so I've got some more questions here. The second set of questions is, do I really believe that my heavenly father knows what I need? And do I act as if that's true? And if not, why not? Because this is key to keeping that bigger perspective. You know, we talked about how we can pull focus and uh, take our eyes off the things that are in the foreground and look to the bigger picture. But that only works if we also really understand and know who we are and know the value that God places on us. That's a really important question to think about. Do I really believe that my Heavenly Father knows what I need? And do I act as if it's true? And then I just want to cover one more um, point here, which is that Jesus also says in verse 27, just some very practical, simple advice about worrying, that worrying is a waste of time. He says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? You see, you can't make your life any longer by worrying about things, Jesus says. In fact, scientists would say that stress and anxiety and worry probably have more potential to make our lives shorter. 
This is common sense wisdom from Jesus. And you know, one of the standard and best pieces of advice on how to deal with stress is to stop worrying about things that we can't control. It can be so easy, can't it, to let our minds get filled with a mishmash of stuff, big and small things, some of which we can do something about and some of which we can't. And one of the key strategies is to just stop and pause and understand the difference and take stock. Take the time to determine what are the things that I can do something about. And experts say a really good way to deal with them is to schedule some time to worry about them. Say, well, I won't worry about them now, but to write, I'll, I'll write a time in my diary tomorrow at six o'clock, I'm going to worry about those things or I'm going to think about the things that are on my mind and what I'm going to do about them. Now, I don't make dates with myself to worry about things, but I do um, often try and make time to talk with Joe or with another friend or one of my colleagues just to work things through because I find that's really helpful and it's good to schedule time to think. Um, and then there are also some things that are in the front of our minds and honestly we just can't do anything about them and we just have to say I can't control this I can't there's really worth not it's not even worth thinking about anymore you know so I can control things like what I choose to do with my resources and how I respond to situations that are coming up and who I choose to spend time with and and how I choose to spend my time but there are things that I can't control I can't control what the government will do next about COVID even though I think, you know, I keep looking at it to see what's going to happen. I don't know when we're going to be allowed to go back in the church and sing without our masks on and that kind of thing. And I can't I can't really influence it either. So it's really just not worth worrying about. You know, I can't control what the weather's going to be like for our next car park service. And I really can't control the outcome of um, sports uh, games. You know, I can't control how my team's going to do. And so, you know, worrying about that just seems a bit pointless to me. One of the most helpful things that I have found to do when everything feels like it's just crowding in is to stop and make time to really think about what I'm feeling and name the emotions that I'm feeling. It's really helpful if you've got somebody's already said this in the chat, someone who can help you reflect on, on, on problems or situations. It's really good to be able to talk these things out. You know, and if you can't talk them out, if you haven't got anyone to talk to, um, another really good way of dealing with this is to write them down, which is one of the things that I really do a lot. Actually, I use a journal to help me express and organize my thoughts. And it often helps me get things into perspective because, you know, we can get into cycles and thoughts can go round and round in our brain and we get in, stuck in a groove. And it's only by speaking them out or by perhaps writing them down that we can break out of that. And for me, journaling like that's been a really helpful tool you know i like to go back every now and then and just read through my journal now i don't write very often in my journal sometimes i don't write in it for a month um you know other times i'll write in it two three times a week depends what's going on but one thing i really like to do is to go back and recently i did that i went back over the past year year and a half since kind of well before covid really since the beginning of uh, last year in my diary and i just read through all the things that I'd written, I read through the, the worries and the concerns that I had at the time that I expressed as prayers to God. I read through um, significant experiences, significant words that God gave me, emotions that I was feeling. And as I read through the whole thing, obviously when you're in the moment, you're just writing what's going on now. But as I read through the whole thing, I could see just wonderfully, um, I got a real interesting perspective on the year. And I realized that there were two fundamental concerns that I had had over the past 12 months or so um uh i mean other than lockdown but one and one was related to my family and the other was related to financial provision now i'm not going to go into details but over the past year both of these things had been 
taking up space at the forefront of my mind. I wouldn't say they were keeping me up at night, but they were the focus of my concerns and my thoughts and my prayers. And some of my conversations, certainly my conversations with myself and sometimes and with Joe and with other close friends. And time and again, I had to sort of discipline myself to bring these questions and these fears back to God. You know, and to invite his spirit to come and to help me focus on the big picture and to remember and remind myself that he loves me and that he provides for me and all the things that I've just been talking about. And as I was reading through the journey of the past few months, I realized that God had answered actually both of these prayers in very significant ways. The answers weren't immediate. They didn't happen as I expected they might. But God provided for the concerns that were on my mind. And looking back through my journal, I got this amazing perspective on the journey. And we know, don't we, that prayer is a journey. It's a relationship. Uh, it's a journey of relationship. It's not a cosmic slot machine. We don't just say, hey, God, can you sort this out for me? It's a journey of relationship and trust. And what's beautiful about writing it down for me is that I can track that journey. And then I already know that we've got history here. Me and God have history. You know, there have been things that I've been really worried about in the past, really concerned about. And as I've worked through them and given them to God, looking back now, I see how God's answered those prayers. I don't feel concerned about those anymore. And that helps me with the things that I'm concerned about now, because there are other things that aren't resolved yet. There are, And I'm sure all of us have situations that we're looking at and going, mm, how's this going to work out? What's going to happen with that? I don't know what the answer is here. I don't know how this is going to, to, going to work out. And yet here we are, God has the ability to uh, listen and to hear our prayers, to be with us in the journey, to give us his perspective. And ultimately, I honestly believe he will answer our prayers and he'll provide for our needs. He's never not done that for, for us and he'll never not do that for you if you do what it says, which is what we're coming to, which is to put him first. You know, even when I'm looking at situations for which I have no clear answers, the truth is when I change my perspective, when I remember how precious I am to God and when I don't waste time worrying about things I can't control, you know, then I find that I can deal with stress and worry in a much, much easier way. And Jesus kind of sums this up in one more verse, which we're going to look at from the end of that passage, which is in chapter in verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. I thought you'd like to see that picture. I took this picture uh, two days ago, on a, uh, yesterday morning actually, on a walk um, in a field close to me. And I was just blown away by the colour of these poppies um, in this field of uh, yellow rapeseeds. And um, um, it just reminded me of this passage about how the, bird, the, the fields of the, the, the plants of the field just, you know, look how finely dressed they are. You know, nobody, they don't have to go out and buy clothes. They just are beautiful because God's looking after them. Anyway, this is the verse, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well and if you grew up in the church like me you probably sang that song to what's honestly a little bit of a dreary tune I think but it kind of worked because those words have stuck with me forever and there's a simple profound wisdom here that Jesus is saying he's not saying forget about your worries or he's not saying your concerns are not important he's simply saying let's get them into perspective let's put God first and then everything else gets added later. In other words, let's deal with God's values and God's purposes and God's truth and his righteousness. Let's make that, you know, that's a fancy word that means right living. Let's make a point of living God's way. And when we do that and we live in harmony with him 
and we put him first in our lives, then everything else will get added in. And that's how to live stress-free. So I've just got a couple more questions as we come towards the end. One question is, what what should I stop worrying about? Because I can't change it. And another one is, how am I making sure that I'm putting God first regularly? And we'll put these questions out on social media as well, in case you haven't had a chance to um, to write them down or anything, because it would be really helpful, I think, to take some time to really reflect on these. Are there things that I need to stop worrying about because I just can't change them? And how am I making sure that I'm putting God first regularly? And just as we draw to a close this evening, I want you to just think about this. Imagine if there was a tool or a simple practice that could help us to put Jesus first every day. Imagine the impact of taking a time in our prayer life every day, or maybe even several times a day, to just focus on our relationship with God and make sure we're seeking him first again, to make sure that we're uh, making sure that we're getting the bigger perspective, making sure that we remember how how loved and valued we are. I mean, mean, just imagine if, if we did that every day or several times a day, how would that impact the stress and the worry that, you know, that we feel? Um, Well, there are plenty of ways to do that, but one simple one that's been going for centuries is the daily examine. You've probably heard us talk about this before. The daily examine is uh, just a really helpful little prayer tool. Okay, it's been going for centuries, actually. And um, this is a version of it that St. Ignatius practiced. And uh, what it is, is it's just taking a few moments. You can do this in one or two minutes, or you can do it in 10 or 20 minutes. But it's just a simple structure of how to think and how to pray to get ourselves right with God and to really engage with him and to make sure that we're bringing some of these things before him and we're getting his perspective. And so to to finish my talk, we're actually going to do this now. Okay. and what I'd love to do is just for the next two minutes, two or three minutes, I'd like to lead you through um, an examine. Now, this is something that I do. I'd love to say that I do it every day, but I don't. I sometimes do it several times a day and sometimes I manage it once or twice a week. Um, But it's such a helpful little framework. And so let's do it now. And the first thing to do in the daily exam is just to become aware of God's presence. And so I'll lead you through and maybe just sit comfortably, make sure you're nice and still and um, able to just engage with God um, in your in your own mind. Um, And so simply the first thing to do is just to acknowledge God's presence, just to pause you know i mean i'm we've been so aware of god's presence through through this whole service anyway but even now let's just acknowledge that god is here that his spirit is with us that his presence is close and maybe you just want to pray something like i just acknowledge your presence god thank you that you're here it's lovely to be with you And once we know that God is with us, the next part of this um, this simple tool, this examine, is to review the day with gratitude. Now, you might want to go back over this day that we've had today. You might even want to go back to yesterday as well. But just look back over the previous few hours and just give thanks. Let's just be thankful. Let's just say, and it can be as simple as this, God, I'm so grateful for dot, dot, dot. Thank you, Father, for and find things that went well in your day, things that you enjoyed, things that made you happy, things that were good. 
and just give thanks and just take this one let's all take a moment to do that now just to just to say a few things to god that we're really grateful for today It's a really good practice to just be thankful no matter what else is going on no matter how else you're feeling just to give thanks and so while we're thanking god for the great things of this day and for this weekend let's move on to step three which is to pay attention to your emotions so as you think back over the day and what you've done this afternoon and what you did this morning what you did last night or what you did yesterday as you think back over that, what emotions are coming up for you? Are there positive ones? Are there negative ones? What are you feeling? And just start to pay attention to that. And if it's a great feeling, then that's wonderful. Make sure you're given thanks for whatever whatever's going on. And if it's a not great feeling, if it's a harder feeling, then just, just dig into that a little bit. Why am I feeling that? What's going on there? Just notice. Notice what, what's coming up for you. And as you notice, maybe there's something that you can do about that. Maybe you're feeling something as a result of something that somebody else has said or done, an interaction with somebody that wasn't perhaps very positive. Maybe it's something that you've done. And it may be that there's an action to come out of that. Or maybe you just have to bring it to the Lord. Give it to him again, bring it to the foot of his cross. And just notice the emotions and see if there's anything you need to do. And then kind of leading on from that, really, number four is to choose one feature of the day and pray from it. Now, it might be that something that you've noticed has made you feel negative and you just kind of want to process and deal with that and bring it to the Lord. Or maybe that something else has gone on today and you just want to talk to God about it. Or maybe that you've got something coming up that's making you feel nervous or stressed or uncomfortable or uncertain whatever it is just start to talk to god about it tell him what you feel tell him what you want to happen tell him what's going on thank you lord that you know you know us and you know what's going on with us And as I said, I'm going through this really reasonably quickly, but guys, we can take time over this. The last thing to do is to look forward, look forward to tomorrow, look forward to tonight, to the rest of the day, look forward to the week. See if there's anything that God wants to say to you as you head forward. Maybe you've got something coming up that you just want to pray for blessing on. See if there's anything else God wants to say to you. Or what or just or something you resolve to do or some kind of response that you need to make.
So I'm just going to pray for us. And then we're going to have a, just a, a song to finish today. Um, yeah, jump, jump in right now. Okay, why don't I pray for us and then Joe's going to jump in and um, we've got a song for ministry as well. Father, thank you that you are with us. And thank you that when we come close to you, that when we seek you first, that when we put you first, thank you that you are able to change our perspective, that you are able to show us how much you love us that you are able to show us the bigger picture and thank you that you know what our needs are. And Lord, for those who today are feeling somewhat concerned, stressed, worried, or anxious, those of us who have big things in our minds, Lord, I pray that you would lift them off of us, that you would lift our burdens as we talk to you and seek you and seek your kingdom, that you would bring peace to our hearts as we cast our burdens onto you. Thank you that you are the lifter of burdens, that your shoulders are broad and big, and that you can carry the stuff that's causing us grief and stress. You, you carried it all to the cross and you died for it on the cross. And so Lord, may that be a reality for each of us this evening, wherever we're watching from and whatever we're doing, um, you know, on this, Sunday night, just sitting here watching Facebook, Lord, but may that be a reality for anyone who's watching this, even for those of us who are watching after the event, who are watching on catch up later, may your burdens be lifted and may there be peace in your heart, according to the Holy Spirit. And maybe something you might want to do is just to visualize yourself walking to the foot of the cross and bringing the stuff with you and leaving it there and giving it to Jesus. I'd strongly encourage you to do that. And if you feel like you're a bit stuck, then maybe something else you could do at home after this service is finished is just to get some bread and some wine and just take a very, go through a very simple communion. Just take communion. There's such power when we remember what Jesus did and the fact that he carried all of our burdens on the cross. He died for every single stress and worry that we feel. And he is our Heavenly Father and he knows what we need. So if the Lord is ministering to you, just in, enjoy that. And, and just say, yes, Lord. Yes and amen. Let it come, Father. Right across everywhere that we're watching from tonight right across our church community and everybody who's on with us and everyone who's watching later, may your spirit fall, minister to your people. Almost like just coming like an amazing dad hug, just giving us a massive dad hug and saying, it's okay, I'm here, I've got this, I've got your back. May that be a reality for us, Lord. Amen. And I love that that was just so practical. Thank you for that. Okay. And as I was listening to Nigel, um, I just had a sense there might be somebody watching this evening and this is a new thing for you. And you don't know God as the Father who provides for you, but you would love to. And that invitation is yours tonight, um, that 
you could know God as your father, you could know being a child of God who is loved and cared for and provided for. And that's because of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus came from heaven to earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross and he rose again, defeating death. And as a result of that, we can know God. And so perhaps you, you know, you're just sitting there longing, I wish I could give my worries and my burdens to God and you can. It's a simple transaction to say to him, God, thank you that you came, that you sent Jesus. And I want to live life your way and not my way. And if you'd like to find out any more about that, we would love to chat with you. So if you send um, an email into hello at winchestervineyard.org, we can be in touch and connect with you. But you don't need us. That is a transaction that you can make, a, a conversation that you can have with God and he longs to meet you in that place. Second thing that I sensed was that I wondered whether there was somebody watching who would say, but you don't understand Nigel because I am a born worrier. I've always been a worrier. Um, you know, it's all very well to talk about don't worry, but I've always worried. And I was reminded about the, the part in the Bible where it talks about people being born again. And I felt like God said, you don't have to be a born worrier anymore. You can become a born truster. That as we have new life in Jesus, that actually our wiring changes, our character can change, the way that we see the world and the way we respond mm. to things can mm. change. And so that's a word of hope for you. If mm. you've always been someone who worried, tonight that can be an end. There can be an end to that. Mm. And you can be somebody who can have trust and confidence in God. Mm. That's powerful. And the last thing was that um, Sarah very honestly wrote in the comments, it takes a lot of energy to challenge persistent worrying thoughts. And I was chatting with someone at the service this morning who said the same. She said, you know, in lockdown, it's just been kind of me at home with a, only a very small number of people in my family. And there have been a lot of worries going round and round and round. And it's difficult to break out of that. And Nigel's given us some really practical steps on how to do that with the exam and, and to, to give our concerns and our worries on our emotions to God. But it might also be that you would appreciate some help with somebody from somebody. Um, as Sarah said in the comments, you know, it's good to recognise when we're not in a good place and we need some help and support. And that's what friends are for in our life groups. And so if you're in a life group and you're struggling, then do just be honest, be real about where you're at and ask someone to pray for you. Mm. And as we pray for one another, that we don't do anything magic. It's not that we are um, providing answers and solutions. What we do is we come alongside each other is we just point one another back to Jesus. Mm. Mm. And so if you'd like someone to pray with you, be in touch with your life group. If you're not in a group, then again, ping us an email to church and we would love to connect with you and to pray with you and to help you take mm. some steps out of worry and anxiety. Great, great comments in the chat. One says in the mind control, but somebody, uh, Martina's quoting from Romans 8, the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The Holy mm. Spirit has the ability to give us life and peace. And then somebody else said, I heard it on a course recently, don't be a worrier, be a warrior. <laughs> That's great too. So um, we're going to play uh, out just one song, which David O'Connor recorded. We couldn't use it last week, and we just thought it really fitted in well for tonight. And so kind of think of this as a ministry song. The song is Christ is Enough for Me, and that's, again, there's truth in that uh, for, for us tonight and wherever we're at. So um, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Maybe you, if you know the words, you can sing along, or maybe you can just, um, you know, if you've got the, if it's peaceful where you are, um, just maybe open your hands and open your heart and let the words and the spirit wash over you. Um, and uh, let's just play that out. So this is Christ is enough for me. Holy Spirit, just come and keep 
ministering your peace and your blessing to us as we just rest in your presence. Thank you for the truth of this song and all that you're speaking this evening. May this be a really good um, just moment to connect with you and to keep perspective and to know your heart.